It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 930 AM The Answer, also on podcasts everywhere. And if you miss an episode, you can go to www.talklawradio.com and search for uh, previous episodes there. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Also, new businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information you learn today should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Please help me give good information to the listeners today about elder law and Medicaid benefits to pay the high cost of long-term nursing home care. Help me to use the gifts and talents that you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And today we're going to be talking about elder law and Medicaid updates for those who might be applying for benefits to pay the high cost of long-term nursing care. So we're going to be talking about uh, other updates too, um, but I want to challenge you to give us a call because I have uh, a gift that you can win. So today's legacy segment is about Kobe Bryant, the deceased basketball player. And so the next person to call at 210-308-8867 will win uh, Kobe Bryant's book, The Mamba Mentality, How I Play. It's a book that he wrote before he passed away. Okay, so first let's uh, start talking about uh, why would somebody apply for Medicaid? 
Well, Medicaid is uh, a federal program that's administered by the states. So the money comes from uh, Congress, and uh, then it's it's paid to the states uh, to administer according to specific rules that they lay out, criteria that you have to meet in order to qualify for the program. Uh, it was it meant to be a poverty program, I guess. Um, you have to have low income and low assets and uh, a medical need in order to qualify. And so uh, some people will apply when they're uh, going into the nursing home because Medicare, the health insurance for people who are aged uh, 65 and over, doesn't pay for long-term nursing home care because uh, the program says that that's not medical in nature. They call it custodial care. And so that's why, um, well, that's why Medicare, Medicare doesn't cover it. Um, I, I'm not sure what the logic is in having a different program cover it when they when Medicaid does consider it to be medical because one of the criteria to qualify for nursing home Medicaid is you, there has to be a medical necessity and uh, you have to need to be in a nursing home. So today, uh, also, we're going to be talking about sinners and saints again, and uh, so stay tuned for that. That'll be after our second break, um, so that'll be almost right in the middle of the show. Um, it's interesting, Martin Luther, um, the, the Protestant reformer of the Catholic Church, um, said that we're all, we're, each of us is both a sinner and a saint at the same time. By nature, we're sinful, um, and by God's grace, um, God sees us as saints uh, through uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me get into some things that I learned, uh, some updates that you might not be aware of when uh, considering elder law and Medicaid. You can apply for Medicaid if you're a single person. You can apply for Medicaid if you're a married couple. And the strategies for getting qualified can be different because there's uh, an act that was in, uh, passed and implemented in the 1970s called the Spousal Impoverishment Act, which is really meant to prevent spouses from falling into poverty if uh, one spouse goes into the nursing home and the other spouse is staying home in the community, as we call it, because uh, people were getting divorced in order to qualify for Medicaid, and the government said, well, we don't want to encourage divorce in order to qualify for a government program, so we'll allow the healthy spouse at home living in the community to save some money and allow the, the ill spouse to qualify for Medicaid in the nursing home. Now, there are lots of regulations in how much money you can have, how much property you can have, and still get qualified. But that's why you call an elder law attorney, 
because just like a CPA who knows all the uh, exemptions and exceptions and deductions for income tax purposes, elder law attorneys make it their business to know the general rules for qualifying and the exceptions that would allow somebody to save money and still qualify for the program. So when you can file a, a Medicaid application yourself, you can even use an app on your smartphone. You can go to your app store and search for your Texas benefits, and uh, that will be one way that you can apply. You can get a paper application probably from the nursing home, or you can download one online from uh, the Health and Human Services website and just answer the questions and turn it in and hope for the best. Um, we attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm also uh, help people complete nursing home Medicaid applications. Uh, some people will apply because uh, someone told them they had too much money and or they will ask for help in applying because they already work a day job and they don't have time to be uh, filling out a government application and trying to make sure that it's going to be approved. If your Medicaid application is denied, you can appeal and go to a hearing. Well, you don't go anywhere. The, the first type of appeal hearing is actually on the phone. Uh, we can do that by conference call. If you think that your Medicaid application was wrongly denied, then that's when we would file an appeal. So today we're talking about some updates in elder law and updates in Medicaid benefits to pay the high cost for nursing home care uh, because uh, it's a very high cost of care. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking more about the law. Uh, so stay tuned. Discover the fascinating world of the law with Talk Law Radio. Listen to 9.30 a.m. The Answer every Saturday morning at 11 for insightful discussions and expert analysis. Then, don't miss out on a thrilling bonus segment every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. When Talk Law Radio's attorney, Todd Marquardt, offers his professional perspective on trending legal issues. Stay informed and engaged with the legal matters that shape our nation. Join Talk Law Radio for an enriching radio experience on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And for more info, go to TalkLawRadio.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer and also podcasts everywhere. You can also find us on Facebook Live, on YouTube, or www.talklawradio.com. Today we're talking about elder law and nursing home Medicaid benefits to pay the high cost of nursing home care. And... I'd like to offer a free book called Mamba Mentality, How I Play by Kobe Bryant. 
because uh, Kobe Bryant is going to be the the subject of our legacy seg- segment at the near the end of the show, and I'm going to be reading this book because uh, I I read about it online, and uh, so you can read it too. Just give us a call and ask a question about elder law or uh, nursing home Medicaid, and we'll be, send you a book. Okay, before the first break, I was talking about Medicaid applications and Medicaid appeals. I learned about a uh, court case against Health and Human Services Texas, and so I want to share that with you now. It's uh, Health and Human Services versus Maroney. The, the plaintiff was actually Anna Maroney, and she she sued Health and Human Services because they denied her application and uh, the went through the course of several appeals and one court uh, decided that, yeah, Health and Human Services was wrong. They wrongly denied uh, Ms. Maroney's uh, Medicaid application. So what happened? Uh, Anna Maroney had a debilitating stroke and that's why she needed nursing home care. And she didn't have a uh, high income. She didn't have a lot of money. Um, her treating physician described her as totally incapacitated, totally incapacitated and incompetent, and lacking the ability to manage her affairs uh, from the date of her admission to the hospital. And so, like I said before, she applied for Medicaid. Health and Human Services denied her application, and uh, she she appealed. One district court reversed the den- denial, and Health and Human Services appealed uh, that decision. And so uh, I'm reading from uh, this, this other court uh, decision, and I'll tell you who won in just a minute. The issue was whether assets should be considered countable resources used to calculate eligibility when Ms. Maroney was incapacitated and had no agent under durable power of attorney and had no guardian. Well, the here's some relevant law that, that you would want to know. Well, there's uh, regulations in the Texas Administrative Code that uh, lay out the eligibility requirements, the criteria for getting approved, and and then there's um, federal regulations as well. And uh, the general rule is that the state regulations cannot be more restrictive than the federal regulations. They can be more liberal. They can grant uh, benefits to more people, but they can't make it more restrictive. So the the framework for Medicaid regulations is in the Code of Federal Regulations, Um, but each state is free to experiment with different ways of uh, interpreting those regulations. And so the state of Texas has their regulations codified in the Texas Administrative Code. 
Okay, so let's go back to this case about what happened. Well, I'll tell you who won. Uh, Miss Maroney won. The, the court said that um, they should not have denied her benefits by counting assets that she had when she was incapacitated but without an agent under power of attorney or a guardian because it was, it, the rule, there's a rule that says if, well, I'll just find it here. I'll, I'll find it here. So Miss Maroney had life insurance with cash value. And so the cash value of a life insurance policy counts against you. It's a countable resource. And if it's valued above $2,000 in, in adding up all of your countable resources, then you're not approved. But the, the court said assets should not be deemed resources, countable resources, uh, given Miss Maroney's incapacitated state and the fact that no one else could liquidate the insurance policies. The reason it was uh, difficult for a guardian to be appointed was because of some changes in the law in 2015. In 2015, the Texas legislature uh, added an additional requirement uh, when somebody's applying for guardianship. It requires an attorney or guardian ad litem to explore all alternatives to guardianship upon filing a petition. And so it, it took some time for the guardian ad litem to explore whether there was another way to uh, get the cash out of the life insurance policy for Miss Maroney. The, the commission calculated, the Health and Human Services Commission calculated that the value of Miss Maroney's assets uh, was about $7,000, and so that um, that was over 2000 So that's why they said she was denied benefits. Another rule in guardianship court is that the court may only grant the petition uh, appointing a guardian if clear and convincing evidence reveals that alternatives were explored and deemed not feasible. And so that's why it took a long time for the guardian ad litem to find out whether there were feasible alternatives. So here's the rule on whether assets or resources should be countable or not. Assets are only countable resources if the applicant for benefits ha or a representative for the applicant has the right authority or power to liquidate those assets. So that's a, a rule based on the federal regulations and also the Texas Administrative Code. If a property right cannot be liquidated, the property will not be considered a resource. So that's why um, the, the applicant's representative thought that she would be approved for Medicaid benefits because of that rule. And the Health and Human Services Commission didn't see it that way. They, they just figured that it was a countable resource because it was um, 
cash value life insurance. The court said that implicit in the probate court's finding of incapacitation is that Maroney totally lacked capacity to manage her property. So that's another requirement for a guardian to be appointed is that the judge has to find that the person is totally or partially incapacitated. So this court reasoned that because the court did find her to be totally lacking in capacity, she therefore had no power to liquidate her assets until the probate court appointed a temporary guardian or a permanent guardian. In this case, it was a temporary one because all all the guardian needed to do was um, cash in the life insurance policy and spend the money on uh, medical bills that the applicant owed. So the court said it's undisputed that Ms. Maroney could not liquidate those those assets. So this case is a good tool to use if you're trying to help somebody get qualified for uh, Medicaid benefits to pay the high cost of nursing home care, but the person's incapacitated and doesn't have a power of attorney or a guardian. The other lesson is that everybody should have a power of attorney. And you have to get one before you have a stroke or a heart attack or are otherwise rendered incapacitated because you have to be able to sign it and you have to be able to understand what the power of attorney is. And so you have to have mental capacity to understand. And so we should all do one when we're healthy Um, even if we think we're never going to be unhealthy. So that's a a good thing to ask your elder law attorney about or your estate planning attorney, how to get a durable power of attorney. And not all durable power of attorneys are uh, created equal. Some uh, are defective that I've seen people coming in Um, asking why the bank won't honor their power of attorney. And some just need to include more provisions. So just like any contract, a, a power of attorney could include more situations, more circumstances, or fewer circumstances. I And so the, the a longer power of attorney might include more circumstances, The other thing is you should get legal advice on the choices that can be made in a durable power of attorney. There's another court case that we're going to talk about where the agent uh, pointed in the power of attorney acted outside of the authority that he was given in the power of attorney and uh, was prosecuted for a crime and sentenced to prison for that. And so we don't want that to happen to good people listening to Talk Law Radio. So I'm here to help you discover your legal issue blind spots. So you're listening at the right time and at the right place. 
And if you call and ask a question about elder law, power of attorney, guardianship, or Medicaid today, the next caller will receive a book by Kobe Bryant, the famous NBA basketball player who wrote Mamba Mentality, How I Play. I haven't read the book yet, but from what I read uh, online, it sounds like a good book. And if you want to learn about um, Kobe Bryant's mentality, uh, that would be a good place to start. We're about to take a break, but before we go to a break, I want to talk about um, qualified funds or retirement funds or um, tax-deferred funds. Um, These are all a type of resource that may or may not be countable when you're applying for Medicaid. So the shocking truth is that some people can qualify for nursing home Medicaid even if they have uh, an IRA with lots of money in it. So if, if you're in a situation where you know somebody who need, needs help applying for Medicaid or who uh, has not yet applied for Medicaid because they think that the money in their IRA is going to cause them to be disqualified, have them call an elder law attorney. Got to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about saints and sinners. So stick with us. Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9:30 a.m. The Answer on podcasts everywhere, and also YouTube and Facebook. If you have a question, you can post a comment in our live stream on Facebook, or if you uh, want to call, you can call 210 210-308-8867. 210-308-8867. If you want to uh, be eligible to win the free book about uh, Kobe Bryant, um, now I'd like to talk about saints and sinners. Martin Luther is uh, the theologian who wrote the 95 Thesis in year 1517, uh, he said that we're all saints and sinners, and so uh, I thought that catchy tune would uh, hit it home for all of us uh, that was listening to music in the 90s. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that we inherited sin from Adam and Eve, and So it's like a genetic trait that's passed down generation to generation. Since all people inherited sin from Adam and Eve, um, sin is described in the Bible as transgression of the law of God. So I like talking about the law, even God's law. 
And so when we break God's law, it's called a sin. But he also said that we were saints because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we're both saints and sinners. And so first I'd like to talk about some sinners that I learned about by reading articles online. There was uh, somebody named Isla Bryson, age 31, previously known as Adam Graham, who was convicted uh, in London, Glasgow, on Tuesday for the rape of one woman in 2016 and another in 2019. And the reason why this person um, is noteworthy in the news is because uh, Isla wanted to go to a woman's prison, um, but because Isla was known as Adam uh, before uh, when when he committed these rapes, uh, he's he or she is instead going to be sent to a male prison. Okay. Another sinner is uh, Seifulo Saipov, who was guilty in a Halloween attack. Um, he was known as the New York City bike path killer. He was convicted of uh, crimes for murder and he could face the death penalty. On a lighter note, let's talk about a saint. Cosmas D. Eglin, Sr. of Fayetteville, North Carolina, was presented with a certificate of appreciation and a challenge coin from the North Carolina Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. He was recognized for his years of dedicated service across three military conflicts. He's 108 years old. So, good for you. Another saint that we celebrated earlier this month, well, we celebrated his birthday anyway, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a friend of mine who's been on the show before, Angela Barker, the... uh, legal nurse consultant, um, she posted some of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s accomplishments, the 1957 founding of the Southern Leadership Conference, 1963, the Birmingham Campaign, also in 1963, the Great March on Washington, 1964, Civil Rights Act, Uh, Also, he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, and he was instrumental in getting the 1965 Voting Rights Act passed. So thank you to Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Okay, let's go back to learning a little bit about elder law and Medicaid benefits for nursing home care. If you have questions about elder law or nursing home uh, benefits uh, through Medicaid, you can give us a call at 210-308-8867. The next caller can win a book by Kobe Bryant called Mamba Mentality, How I Play. I'm going to be reading it, and I thought you might want to read it too. Okay, so I, I recently went through some 
continuing legal education through an organization called NALA. That's the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. The Texas chapter had a program uh, last week, and I, I learned some things. And one of the things that I learned was about this court case, uh, Health and Human Services versus Moroni. We talked about how the court decided that if you're incapacitated but you don't have a power of attorney and you don't have a guardian, uh, the resources that uh, are not you're not able to uh, access aren't going to be consider are not going to be considered countable resources for determining whether you're eligible for nursing home Medicaid. There's another court case that I'd like to talk about, and I mentioned it earlier. It's about um, the guy that abused his authority as agent under a durable power of attorney. The, so the plaintiff in this case was the state of Texas. That's the plaintiff in every case when you commit a crime in Texas. The defendant was Ronnie Lee Natho Jr. What happened? Well, a lady named Rosie Shelton signed a statutory durable power of attorney appointing her granddaughter's ex-husband to act as her agent and attorney in fact. So first of all, I don't know anybody that would appoint uh, a family member's ex-husband um, maybe it's happened once in the 16 years that I've been practicing, but they had a special relationship. And, and that leads me down another path. When uh, people are naming beneficiaries to their will, sometimes they'll ask me, well, if my child dies, um, does their spouse automatically get they're the inheritance that I meant for my child if if my child passes away before me and I say it's not automatic you can include them as a contingent beneficiary but usually people only want to include um, a spouse as a contingent beneficiary if you would give them gifts even if they were divorced so if that's like the son you never had or the daughter you never had and uh, you have such a close relationship with them that you would continue the relationship even if they were divorcing your your biological or adopted child, then maybe you would name them as a beneficiary. Maybe you would include them as one of your agents under power of attorney. I just thought it was unusual that someone would do that. And so in this case, that's what Rosie Shelton did. Um, there, there was nothing in the opinion to say whether that was uh, good or bad. But in this case, uh, that's what happened. And the this particular power of attorney included a section that said, special instructions applicable to gifts. And so the the state of Texas has a requirement that if you want that special instructions applicable to gifts, you have to put your initials next to it. 
And in this case, uh, Ms. Shelton didn't initial that paragraph. But the problem was that Natho was using the power of attorney to make gifts from Miss Shelton to himself. And so um, if, he, if he had authority, if she had initialed that, that, that might have been okay. Um, some attorneys think it's a bad idea for the agent to make gifts to himself because that's a self-interested thing. Okay, so what happened is that in 2007 or 2008, Miss Shelton was admitted to a hospital and then moved into a nursing home because she was no longer able to care for herself. In uh, April 2008, um, the court case said that Natho transferred to himself ownerships of Shelton's automobile, and in uh, the following month, transferred ownership of her cash value life insurance policy to himself. And then, later that month, also signed a deed that would transfer the property to him uh, upon uh, Ms. Shelton's death. We'll keep talking more about this court case when we return. Stay tuned. Discover the fascinating world of the law with Talk Law Radio. Listen to 9.30 a.m. The Answer every Saturday morning at 11 for insightful discussions and expert analysis. Then, don't miss out on a thrilling bonus segment every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. When Talk Law Radio's attorney, Todd Marquardt, offers his professional perspective on trending legal issues. Stay informed and engaged with the legal matters that shape our nation. Join Talk Law Radio for an enriching radio experience on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And for more info, go to TalkLawRadio.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, also on podcasts everywhere. Uh, We're also live on Facebook right now, and later we'll be on YouTube, and so you can find me everywhere, really. And the reason that I do this is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots, and some of those blind spots are... Uh, What happens if you're incapacitated but you don't have a power of attorney or a guardian? Or uh, what if you name your uh, granddaughter's ex-husband to be your agent under power of attorney? So we've been talking about this court case, uh, Natho versus uh, the state of Texas. And uh, Mr. Natho was an agent for a woman named Miss Shelton. And he, uh, the power of attorney did not uh, authorize him to make gifts to himself, but he was doing that anyway, and that's what got him in trouble. Eventually, uh, Miss uh, Shelton's granddaughter found out what was going on. I think a concerned neighbor tracked her down, and uh, so the granddaughter went to an attorney 
and ask for help. And that that attorney um, helped Miss Shelton revoke her power of attorney. Uh, it's not a permanent thing, so it, it can be re- revoked if the person has mental capacity to understand what that means. And so the attorney sent Natho a letter instructing him that he was no longer authorized to act for Shelton and asked him to return Ms. Shelton's property, including keys, bank information, and insurance policies. After Natho got that letter, he sold Ms. Shelton's car to a third party, and he cashed out the life insurance policy, cash value, and... um, and he used the money for himself. And so he was charged with misapplication of an elderly person's fiduciary property. And he was sentenced to 25 years imprisonment. Wow. So uh, this just goes to show you that when you name somebody as agent under a power of attorney, this should be somebody who you trust, who's trustworthy. And who's going to act in your best interest? And uh, so if if you're estranged from your family and, and friends, uh, you need to go make some new friends, some people that you trust. Or you can name a bank to be your agent under power of attorney sometimes. So the, the court said uh, the reason why this guy was going to be convicted uh, was because he was exercising authority, making gifts uh, when um, the document did not authorize him to do that. And Natho did have an attorney. Um, I don't know what happened between the two of them after this. I, I don't know if that attorney got in trouble or not. Let's talk a little bit about the applicable law here. In Texas, it's Title II, Chapter 752, Subchapter A of the Texas Estates Code that includes the Durable Power of Attorney Act. Uh, Section 752.001 says, A person may use a statutory durable power of attorney to grant an agent powers with respect to a person's property and financial matters. We should all do that, just in case. We get in an accident on 1604, 410, 281, or 35, and we're not able to make decisions about our income, our assets, uh, signing contracts, or um, getting things done in a legal matter. The, the other statute that I, I looked up was Texas Penal Code, Section 32.45B, which is uh, misapplication of fiduciary property. Let's see here. Oh, subsection A says fiduciary includes a trustee, guardian, administrator, executor, conservator, and receiver. It also includes attorney in fact or agent appointed under durable power of attorney. Uh, We used to call the agent attorney, in fact. Um, A lot of people confuse that with attorney at law. And so 
I don't say attorney in fact, I just say agent, but it means the same thing. Misapply means deal with property contrary to an agreement under which the fiduciary holds the property or law prescribing the custody and disposition of the property. Okay, here's subsection B, the part that he violated. A person commits an offense if he intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly misapplies property he holds as a fiduciary or property of a financial institution in a manner that involves substantial risk of loss to the owner of the property or to a person for whose benefit the property is held. And so it could be a Class C misdemeanor if the value of property is under $100, Class B if it's between $100 and $750, Class A if it's over $750 but less than $2,500, state jail felony if it's between 2500 and 30000 I wasn't clear um, which of those uh, they charged uh, Mr. Natho with uh, because the, the value of the property was somewhat in dispute. Hey, we have something new that our listeners can do. In addition, in addition to emailing me at host at talklawradio.com, you can call and leave a voicemail with your question. I have a new phone number for that. You don't have to call the radio station all the time. You can call at night, on the weekends, and uh, that number is 210-538-4770. Just leave a message uh, with your uh, legal question, and I'll read it out on the air, and other people can benefit from that knowledge as well. So I may not be able to get to reply to all questions individually, um, and you just need to know by emailing your questions or leaving them on the, the voicemail line, you agree to having them published on TalkLawRadio.com. By submitting your story, you understand and agree that we may use your story or version of it in all media and platforms, including third parties. You also agree that the answer to your question is is not going to be considered legal advice because we don't have an attorney-client relationship unless we agree to have one in writing. But we'll give you general information like we always do on the radio. I mentioned that I was in uh, continuing legal education last week uh, with an organization called uh, NALA, which is the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. We have a chapter here in Texas, and the, the membership is composed of attorneys in private and public sectors, as well as judges, professors, and students. Uh, The organization serves to provide its members with continuing legal education programs, conferences, networking events, and newsletters on a broad range of elder law and special needs planning topics. So we talked about the two court cases that I learned about when I was there. I also learned some things about applications and appeals. Um, We learned some things about qualified funds 
uh, tax-deferred retirement accounts, getting qualified for Medicaid benefits. You should also know that there's a, a home care program that Medicaid pays for called Star Plus Waiver, and uh, it's a little bit more challenging to get qualified for because even if you meet all the qualification eligibility requirements, there's a wait list. And so you you have to find somebody to take care of you during that time that you're on the wait list. Also, something you should be aware of is that some people that have farms and ranches can still get qualified for benefits or if they're running a business. So contact an elder law attorney if that's of interest to you. We're in the fourth segment now, and uh, we're about to end the show, so you know what that means. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. Today for the legacy segment, I want to talk about an article I read by author Danny Heifetz, who wrote an article in The Ringer about the lasting legacy of Kobe Bryant's Mamba mentality. You might remember that Kobe Bryant, the famous NBA basketball star, and his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, died in a helicopter crash. They had been flying with seven others. Uh, They were on the way to a youth basketball tournament near Los Angeles. Um, But the reason we're uh, talking about his legacy today is because of his book called uh, Mamba Mentality, How I Play, the book that he wrote before he passed away. Well, he started thinking about this when he tore his Achilles tendon in a game against the Golden State Warriors in April 2013. Um, even when that happened, he he was fouled. He went to the free throw line and sank two shots before hobbling off the court. And he called uh, overcoming that injury his personal Mount Everest. And what gave him this idea to compare himself to the the, the Mamba was uh, the, the movie by Quentin Tarantino uh, called Kill Bill Volume 2. In 2004, uh, the, that's when that film was released. A character is rummaging through a suitcase full of money only to discover that a black Mamba is hiding in the briefcase. So if you want to see an entertaining YouTube video, you should search for that. And um, I don't know exactly how his um, Mamba mentality relates to that, but I'm sure he writes about it in his book. The Mamba Mentality, How I Play. I'm going to be reading it. Um, The summary for the book says it's his uh, Kobe Bryant's personal perspective on his life and career on the basketball court and his exceptional, insightful style of playing the game. A fitting legacy from the late Los Angeles Lakers superstar. Thank you for joining us today for Talk Law Radio. Next week, we're going to be talking about taxes, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Talk to you later.